Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. It's NL Full-Time and we're here all once again to review all the action across the three divisions in the National League. I'm Luke Edwards and as always I have my band of merry men with me. Uh, spooky looking guys they are on Halloween. Uh, we have Rob Worrell who looks always in his kitchen. Hello Rob. Yeah, hi Luke. Hi guys. And uh, Chris Pratt is in his usual. I think he's in his uh, his alcove. Hello Chris. No, I'm myself in my living room. I'm, um, I'm happy that I didn't get many trick-or-treaters last night. And uh, also joining us it is Telford's finest. It is Dickie Wharton. Hiya Dickie. Uh, good afternoon to you. I'm, I'm <laughs> flattered by the uh, with the title you're giving me there, but yeah, nice to speak to you all again. And uh, our special guest for this week, Tom, isn't with us, although we'll be popping up later on in a special guise. It is from the Barrett Army podcast, and he's going to be looking at the South with us mainly. It's Darren Smith. Hiya, Darren. Hi, Luke. Hi, guys. Good to be back. Excellent. So, there's only one place to start in the National League. It's fair to say Danny Wright's had a good week. In midweek, he scored two goals as part of a 4-1 comprehensive win for Torquay at Aldershot on Tuesday evening. And we'll find out more about why Danny Wright's had a great week after Rob caught up with Danny Wright after that particular game. We started sharp. I got the goal uh, just after half-time. And then, obviously, later on, we got my second of the, of the game. And, yeah, it's pleased. Uh, the second half was uh, everything we were about. And, obviously, to take the points back with us. That the Torquay, Torquay is, a, is a massive result for us. But yeah, it's nice to get the two goals. It's nice to show uh, I can still do it. <laughs> Tender age, of, uh, I won't mention. But um, yeah, it's, 34. I, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, now I feel good. I feel I have to be professional and look after my body. But yeah, I feel fit as ever. My stats are as good as ever. So uh, yeah, why should I? I should have stopped sticking, sticking yeah. the goals in the back of the net. So yeah. Well, congratulations on that, and particularly on the the second of which, where you had a couple of goes and. Probably the yeah. the first strike was the better yeah. one, but the second one went in the net, yeah, and that's yeah. what counts. Yeah, I was uh, hoping, obviously, it was going to go in, in off the post. Um, happy with the strike. I'm not sure if the keeper's touched it or not, but uh, obviously the, set, the rebound's come back to me, so I've just had to tap it in the net. Um, yeah, it's a, a great night in the end for us, but we had to uh, dig deep and find that second-half performance. They say goals change games, and there was never a better example of that. You must have been thinking, we're in for a roast in here at half-time. Yeah. You might have got one anyway, yeah, actually. But um, bizarre, the equalising goal. Just a floated cross in from the right, and you know Mitch Walker, an experienced keeper at this level, he won't have let too many in like that at this stage. Yeah, he, um, yeah he's uh, obviously, the first goal was a bit fortunate, but... Um, it's uh yeah, it was with delight to obviously coming at all level and then um take the second half performance to get us the three points and go back on the road. We'll let Danny yeah. go now, he's getting called to get on the coach. All the best fella, take care. And it was quite a significant interview as it was all right on the night on Saturday night as his hat trick in front of the BT Sport camera saw the goals blow away Hartlepool. They won five nil away from home to state top of the National League. We always say don't think that they don't think they'll stay there, but you have a manager who knows how to win this league. You have players like Danny Wright who have done it. So, Rob, can they stay there? Well, I see no reason, no uh, why not. I mean, he, I think Jeff Brazier asked a brave, brave question yesterday um, along the lines of, "You started like this last year, didn't you, uh, Gary?" But um, you know what's going to be different. I think Gary then said, "Oh, the excuse we used last year was we got a lot of injuries." What a breath of fresh air! Danny Wright is at 36 years old. Um, I spoke to him after that game 
Tuesday night, as we've just listened to. And uh, I, I thought then, he got a sparkle in his eye. He looked like he was absolutely loving his football. Of course, he's a striker. He just got two goals in a come-from-behind win. So he would have been happy. But he, that mood is obviously something sitting with him permanently. And uh, for me, the most poignant question asked of him yesterday, post-match on BT Sport, was what's Gary Johnson doing that uh, Solihull Moors didn't? And he answered somewhat uh, coy answer, well, playing me for a start. And uh, he's proven he's really, he's really, really across his stats. He knows where the goal is. And, and what a find from Gary Johnson and not the kind of find you'd expect. He's used to unearthing some uh, young up-and-coming striker like he did with, uh, you know, several players in the past. He's lost Jamie Reid. And what's he gone and done? He's brought in 36-year-old Danny Wright. And he's on fire. Six goals for the season. Only a little chap at Maidenhead's got more. We'll come to him in he's- a minute. He's a player we know as well, though, Danny, right? Because he did win promotion with Gary Johnson at Cheltenham, I think, as well. So it's not like he's, he's, he's not played under before. So obviously they know how it does work. And like, like you say, Rob, I think that's that's why he's enjoying his football so much. Yeah, 22 goals in 44 games in that season at uh, Cheltenham, that championship winning season. So, uh, yeah, a bit of crafty management from, from Gary Johnson there. And uh, uh, he probably knows what the guy wants. Just tell him he's your number nine. You're playing, barring you know, major loss of form or injury, you're playing every week. Get out there and go and get me 20-plus goals. As for Hartlepool, though, I mean, Dave Chalina wasn't happy afterwards, and rightly so. The defending, it's fair to say, was pretty terrible, wasn't it? One of the worst that I've seen for a long time, and I wish they defended like that when they played all the shot on the uh, opening game of the season. One little caveat. Yes, I mean, we've got other results to review from, from the weekend where, yet again, we're scratching our heads and, 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 and completely bewildered. But the margins in this league are so fine. And I hope this doesn't sound too hollow. I'm well over all the shots, 4-1 defeat to Torquay in the week. But I've got to point out... Are you, Rob? Are you? <laughs> I'm so over it, you wouldn't believe it. But for 40 <laughs> minutes, all the shot led 1-0 and thoroughly deserved to be 1-0 up, probably... Uh, should have been a couple up at least, dominated Torquay. They end up losing the game 4-1. They find themselves without a game Saturday, now in the bottom three. And Torquay are five points clear at the top. How tight are the margins at this level, Chris? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, and we'll go on to a game where we'll talk about that in a minute as well. That um, I certainly think that everyone can beat everyone else in this league. And um, you've only got to look at the the early league table and um, there's only a few points between the whole of the bottom half so I think that just shows that we're going to see some interesting results this season and the, the bigger clubs and the bigger teams don't seem to be having it all their, their own way Before we move on Hartlepool after a decent start they have stuttered a bit haven't they? They started a little bit yeah um, I did say I'm pretty sure after the first um, three games that um I wasn't overly impressed with Hartlepool when they beat Aldershot. They, they didn't need to get out of third gear on that particular day. They'd improved a bit since then. But I didn't think that they were necessarily going to be title contenders. I said so then. And, 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 and you do get a, a settling down period. And we hear it talked about a lot. Sometimes managers say eight. Mostly they say 10 games. Just one comment, general comment I wanted to make as well. I think I calculated that 13 games already have been lost to COVID in the National League. and did the figures yesterday. I tied it all up. And now, um, although elite sport is likely to continue after the last announcement from Boris Johnson, 
I maintain my position that this season will not finish naturally. It will not. We'll be doing points per game at some point. I'm convinced of it. On Halloween, it was a horror show for Stockport, Chris, as they let a comfortable 1-0 lead slip to surprisingly lose at home to Weymouth. And what was the result of the day? Yeah, for Weymouth it was. Yeah, they terrored um, Stockport. Just to add your, uh, add to your pun. There's so many, but I'm, I'll stop there. Dickie's no. shaking his head at that one as well. <laughs> Look, after half an hour, it looked like it was going to be a procession. I'll be honest with you. County went one nil up um, through a Ash Palmer header. He was imperious in the first half, and uh, Weymouth didn't get the first shot until the last kick of the first half, which went sailing over the bar um, by Shields, I think it was. But I tell you what, I was so impressed with Weymouth. He lost two players early on, early doors, two key key players. The, um, the centre half camp um, went and. Uh, and I tell you what, after they went, um, after that happened to them, the last sixty minutes they were the better team by a country mile. They were magnificent. Were, were Weymouth yesterday? None more so than Tom Whelan, who got the winning goal. They played in between the lines of Stockport County, and they came in. The, uh, they came into the second half like they wanted it more, and they they turned it around. And they were, I've got to say, they were they were full value for the three points. And I think it. Look, it just shows, and this is building on the point that, uh, that that Rob and I were saying in the in the previous game that anyone can beat anyone else. And if you go into a game against Weymouth thinking, "Oh, it's only Weymouth," you're going to get a shock. And I think possibly that may have been uh, what happened yesterday uh, for Stockport County. And Chris caught up with the Weymouth manager Brian Stock after the game. So I'm with Brian Stock here after well a memorable. Uh, Outing for you at Edgeley Park? Yeah, I mean, at half time when you're 1 0 down away at Stockport, you know, the, these games don't come much tougher than this against a very organised physical side. And we showed a lot of bravery second half, and, uh, and we've come out with, uh, with a fantastic 2 1 result. I mean, you, you lost a couple of men earlier as well, so you must have been really pleased with the fighting spirit in that first half because you stayed in the game, didn't you? Yeah, that's been a catalyst for us recently with with the squad that we have. Um, they're a very close-knit squad and and especially recently, the players that have come in and, and uh, you know come off the bench or even been left in the stands, that it's been a real team uh, effort and again, players have come off the bench today ready to go, understanding the roles and responsibilities and, and perform brilliantly. You said before the game that you didn't just want to come here, you didn't just want it to be a, an experience, you wanted to actually come out and win. And um, you could see that in the way that you set up because you, you took the game to them, especially in the second half. Yeah, I, I just sort of I wanted at half time for them to just believe themselves a little bit more. There was, there was a glimpse of it in the first half. Um, obviously, they're a threat from set plays and we conceded from them, from one of them. But in open play, we didn't really many, you know, didn't concede many uh, shots on target really, um, which was pleasing for us. Um, and I felt we were just almost there, not quite believing in in, in what we're probably good at. If we're going to sort of play a physical long balls type of game, then we'd have lost the game today. So you know, we've got technical players in our team, and we're not blessed with loads of height, so we have to move the ball with a purpose. And in second half, um, we did that brilliantly and showed a lot of bravery and and played in areas in the second half where we didn't in the first and. It paid off in the end, and it's early days, but I'm sure that win takes you a few places uh, up the table today. Um, what, what are the plans for the season? Where, where do you want to? What's your aim? I think success for the club is is to remain in the league. We're up against some big clubs in this league that are full time. We're part time, so we have to utilise every moment we have with 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 the group. And um, we go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays every week, and 
sometimes the contact time in between that is tough so when we come away to places like Stockport we can utilise a Friday night to, to sort of analyse one or two things that we've done well and one or two things on the opposition uh, and sit down as a group and, and almost you know have a, a little bit of extra contact time which you know which helps um, lads have got part time jobs um, some of them have got full time jobs so they have to work around that and you know we, we, we focus on on one or two things one of them mainly being on how hard we work as a team um, especially when we're out of position and I thought not just today but against Bromley on Tuesday they've just upped that level um, just that a little bit more and, you know a superb amount of effort put in Fantastic well done Brian thanks Cheers, very thank much you. Mainly had a fourth in the table chaps they sat bottom having conceded ten goals after three games and four games later they're fourth and Sam Barrett's the top scorer in the National League with seven goals What's going on? Yeah, hat-trick for him. They had a blip last week, didn't they, in the FA Cup? And you you did wonder about them. But yeah, four wins on the spin. And uh, to beat Solihull, as, as they said on BT last night, it's a two-informed two teams, wasn't it? And Solihull uh, have, been do, have started well this year. But yeah, Maidenhead are uh, doing really well, really solid, aren't they? And whatever problems they had in those first sort of three games, they've certainly put that to bed now. Like I say, they've got the top scorer in the division in, in Sam Barrett, who will... He looked a bit bewildered when he was being interviewed on, on the telly last night. He couldn't quite believe it, I don't think, could he? Yeah, I mean, he, he um, I think he's tucked away in those seven goals, three or four penalties, which is fine. But I mean, he's got other goals from open play as well. And he's absolutely relishing it. He's gone going back to a club and to a manager that he's played for before and he's hit the ground running. He's, he's so, so comfortable with it. And someone else who's very, very, very comfortable in his game right now. And if you saw his goal yesterday, it wasn't a typical Tom Denton goal, but Chesterfield, I'm sorry I'm dropping down the table a little bit, but a massive win for Chesterfield yesterday, a 1-0 win and a fine finish from Tom Denton. His head wasn't involved at all. He's got six goals for the season. I think the stock, uh, the uh, Chesterfield Twitter said, yes, He's a Denton, he's done it again. He's on fire, Tom yeah, Denton. There was, a, and, uh, there was a goat yeah. emoji, wasn't there, next to him as well. And uh, yeah, he shot mm. the 17th with that win. And uh, I think he's the most underrated player in the National League because a lot of Chesterfield fans at first thought he was a bit of a donkey. But, I mean, Chris has seen him before in the lower divisions. He doesn't just go ahead of goals. He's good with his feet, though, isn't he? And he's getting... I'm, I'm so glad it's working out for him this year. Yeah, I mean, if if you've got some, Tom Denton, you've got to play in a particular way. And you've got to feed his strengths. And when you do feed his strengths and you've got, I think, is it 38-year-old Nathan Tyson now running onto his um, his knockdowns? And yeah. I've got to say, just on Nathan Tyson, he doesn't walk 38, he looks 28. He is so fit and um, testament to him. But yeah, they'll, they'll play through Denton and he, he's fantastic with his feet. He, he got North Ferriby promoted, didn't he, really? Um Mm. Going back five or six years, years ago now, and uh, he's he's a great player. And and you know what? Yeah, I don't think there's many clubs that won't want him in their side at this level. And the win was against Yeovil away at Yeovil. Um, I was going to say it's never easy to go to Hewish Park and get three points, but maybe if there has been a, a time where it is a little bit straightforward, it's right now. Quite staggering. Yeovil haven't had a game cancelled yet. They've played all seven, yet they have not got a win. They're the only side in the National League without a win. They've picked up four draws and they've had three defeats. And uh, it, I don't know, anybody got any theories on on what's gone wrong at Yeovil? I know Darren Siles mentioned about the... Uh, he said they just seem to be making the mistake all in one go, which is what's been happening. But, I mean, is there some hangover from the playoffs last year? It's difficult to say, really, isn't it? 
Look, Luke, I think um, you know it's difficult to say that when they're making all the mistakes in seven games, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it really? Although they have won, um, they have won one of those. They're the surprise so far of the of the, of the season for me, for them being uh, that far down. I certainly thought they would be in the upper reaches and. You know, people talk about 10 games, but we're nearly at that 10-game marker to see where sides are, are, are going to be at. And, um, you know, they're going to have to certainly pull some out. But they've got... My, my surprise is you, you, you could see someone like Reese Murphy and you think that he's going to win games. He could win games on his on his own um, some days. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a shock. I can't put my finger on it, to be honest. Just one goal, I think, for uh, Murphy so far yeah. this season. And... Uh, and that's where a lot of the problem lies for you. Well, seven games, just six goals scored so far. Uh, and they've conceded 10. And that's why they find themselves where they are. Still early days. And and and, and uh, um, we're used to picking teams based on what they did last year and, and putting good logical reasons why we think they'll be up there challenging for the title or challenging for the playoffs. And that only to see them fall completely flat the next season, a la um, Chesterfield, a la... Um, File last season. It's, it's, it's interesting actually because I was just I was just thinking and and I was going to come in after you, Rob, and say, well, they won't be down there for long because either there'll be a change in management or something will happen for them. But then we kept saying the same about File last year, and they did end up being down there. And I mean, can, will you over like will they pick up? You think? Or I mean, it's, it's one of those something's got to change soon. Like Chris says, you get to that ten twelve game mark, and all of a sudden. Chairman and directors get a bit sort of on the trigger finger, don't they? And it's twitching. Yeah, I don't know Yeovils particularly and what they're what they're like. Um, you know, Darren Sal did pretty well by everyone's accounts last year in a really changeable time for for Yeovil, and uh, you know there was good reason to believe that they would kick on this season based on that. And just bringing up their playing squad and having a look: five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players kept from last season. I did Reese Murphy uh, an injustice, by the way. He's got three goals this season. Um, they've added eight, um, three of which were on loan there last season. Uh, um, and, and so, therefore, what, 14 players. It's the nucleus of last season's squad. And you wouldn't say they particularly uh, lost too many key players, would you? Miles Hippolyte has moved on, uh, one or two others as well. But, um, no, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, that one, Luke. Just, just one very quick point on them, and I don't know whether this is relevant at all. But Yeovil have had twenty-three yellow cards and one yep. red card so far. There's only Woking who've had nineteen yellow cards, and if you take them out, that's twice had... as much as anyone else in the in the league. So I wonder whether discipline and I can't I haven't gone back through every single Yeovil goal, but I wonder whether some of the goals are coming from set pieces and. And um, you know, perhaps they've got a few players pending suspensions and things like that, and perhaps that's contributing. Maybe I think you've got a massive point there. I, I did pick up on this a week or two ago, in a couple of weeks ago in the podcast. Um, the, the yellow card rate—it's only got worse since. Twi- twice as many yellows as any other team. It, it, it could show a number of things, couldn't it? It could demonstrate frustration because they want and expect so much better, and they're struggling to cope with the fact that things aren't going their way. But it also could suggest and, and does suggest, quite frankly, in discipline to have averaged almost four yellow cards per game and that one red. Yeah, but just to see what happens with Yeovil. Another team I want to speak about is, is Eastley. They're quietly going about their business. And it was a house party for them on Saturday. Ben Howard scored a double at Bromley to take his tally to five. And 
And Sherman's was that pleased with the performance. He didn't make any subs as he didn't want to disrupt things. That, that's rare in itself. But easily, we didn't really speak about him in the preseason pod, did we? But uh, again, Ben Sherman's another impressive young manager. He is. And, and I watched them a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? They were lucky to get a point against Aldershot, if I'm really honest and consistent with that. Uh, they didn't particularly fire that day. You could see the obvious threats that they've got with House, um, who it's time for him to start delivering now. He's been a young prospect for a little while. He's he's probably got the right level now and the right team and the right manager to play for. But I like their squad. It's neat, tidy, 1-20. to 20, a Nice balance of players that, that were there before uh, and four or five players that Strevens really wanted to bring in. So uh, I think they're well-equipped. They're well-equipped to do well at this 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 level. I don't see them being uh, uh, in the bottom half of the season. Uh, time will tell whether they will push up as high as the playoffs. Funny enough, I was thinking about Eastley this week, and it's a really good point you make, Rob. They have kept a lot on, haven't they, from two or three seasons ago, but they've got a lot of young, um, good young players as well, like Cal Miley, for example, and uh, now Houts has come in and people like that, and they've got a good young manager. They all seem to... I mean, if you've seen the documentary, the gaffer was on that, and they all seem to love playing for him as well. And there's a really good connection between everyone at the club. And I, I think, and I suspect, and and my opinion based on what I've seen is that Ben Strevens gets that what works at this league is consistency, it's efficiency, it's it's cutting out individual errors. All those teams in the bottom three at the minute will probably talk to you about individual errors having cost them so many points already this season and now they should have more than they have. You start each game with a point and if you don't screw up, there's a very good chance you'll end up with at least one, if not three. Um, and I'll never, ever forget Macclesfield's season going up. Never once did they look spectacular to me. Never once did, was I blown away by Macclesfield, but they won the league and they won it comfortably. Yeah, it's all about that consistency. And again, Ben Sherman's another calm young manager. Uh, down at the bottom then, uh, big wins for Kingsland and Altrincham, but a come from behind win for Lynn. Adam Marriott scoring the opener. But it was a return of the exit, Jamal Loza back two against his former side and a, a really good win that for Kingsland in the end and uh, much needed. Yes, cracking one for Kingsland, that one, Luke. I mean, they'd lost four games on the bounce prior to that one. So, Losing going into the last 10 minutes, they probably were thinking that this could be the fifth and then they're in trouble. And then, you know, you get murmurings um, from behind the scenes and all this sort of stuff. And one one point that, that I have found is why you haven't got fans in. Fans are even more active on social media than they've ever been and on the club's forums and stuff. And that can build a build a pressure. So really important two goals by Jamal Lozer, and, and, and to be honest, this is someone that hasn't always been in the Kingsland matchday squad as well since um, since his, his move in, in the summer as well. So, you know, fantastic for him. And as you say, um, return of the axe, typically did it against the side that he was on loan at and, uh, and did pretty well for last season. Then that'll hurt Douse that, won't it, Rob? You know how he is, and especially being 2-1 up and then losing it after coming from behind initially. Absolutely it will, because he knows that um, he, he's in the business of getting results and he does so week in, week out without the money that other clubs have got and without the quality of players that some other clubs have got and he's very, very good at it. 
Uh, I'm building a bit of a soft spot for Dallas and and, 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 and all the shot of Woking listeners might think, oh, blimey, Rob, you can't do that. He's, he's Woking, you know, you're they're, they're, they're your big rivals. But You won't be able um, to set foot back in the head now, Rob. Yeah. That's, that's you done. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love his passion. I've, I've, I've watched most of his post-match after the Aldershot Woking game. He's very, very fair with all of that. Um, and I found myself, I had a bit of time on Friday, I... I, I I found myself watching the regular Friday catch-up with Dallas. If you ever get a chance, uh, listeners, to uh, to ha- have a watch of that, make sure you've got a very large cup of, cup of tea and it's very hot to start with because they actually <laughs> tried something with Dallas called, called Quick Fire Dallas and the interviewer just gave him a, couple, a little topic and let him go. And the entire catch-up on Friday with Alan Dowson was uh, 24 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> But I love his passion. He would have been absolutely gutted yesterday. I was gutted because I should have been there, but I had a bit of car trouble. Um, and uh, obviously they uh, pulled themselves back from behind to go 2-1. Two, two goals just for half time. Familiar ring about that one for me. Um, but then Loza popped up and, and that would have really hurt Dallas, one of his ex-players coming back. Not just to to take two points off him, but all three. But it's been a good week for Altrincham, hasn't it, guys? And a long one as well. Two long trips, one up to Hartlepool in midweek and then down to Dover on Saturday. But he's yielded four points and, and Phil Paxton will be absolutely delighted with that. And they're out of the relegation zone. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I see what you're saying there. I thought, what's he coming to me for? He's talking about Altrincham. You're inferring which team dropped into the relegation zone, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a terrific result for Altrincham yesterday. I think that was their their first win, and um, that'll help just give them that little bit of belief that that every team needs. To be perfectly honest, um, and yeah, it's good to see them get on the board. You know, that you don't want to even at this stage of the season, you don't want to be you know um, still fishing around for your first win. You know, you've, you've got that on the board, and they can build from there. And they've only had one game at home out of five chaps, Altrincham. Yeah. They've only had one game so far at home and they have only played five games. But hey, what's home advantage? It's gone, hasn't it, boys? I think mm. it's pretty much gone now. You look at yesterday's games in the National League, I think there was one, two, three, four, five away wins and, uh, you know, out of the seven games. Incredible. Um, the home advantage is gone. Would you agree, Chris? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely with no fans in, it does, uh, it absolutely changes things um, quite a lot. Um, but I was just wondering if anyone can tell me who scored the Altrincham winner. It's Adi Banging, though it is. Thank uh, you. Because it's, well uh, it's, it's, it's Totian's brother who's just moved to Fulham. And uh, I also saw him play for Stafford Rangers a couple of weeks ago because he's been on loan there. Altrincham signed him and sent him out on loan to Stafford for a month. Well done for taking that on, Luke. <laughs> Are we spelling this? I'm not too happy about this pronunciation of yours, Luke. Are you sure? It's like Adibayo, but Adibayo. Do you know what? I put my glasses on and I still can't read it. That's the first time seeing you have glasses on, Rob. Yeah, let's have a look. Oh, Adari Bio. Adari Bio. Adara Bio, yo. Adara Bio, yo. Yeah. Come on, Altrincham fans. Come on, Altrincham fans. Message us on Twitter and let I'll us know. Ask, uh, I'll ask uh, my mate Brian Flynn how it's pronounced because he, he, he knows how. He always asks him how, how to say the names before he, he does it. Adara Bio, yo. Adara Bio, yo. Yeah, although they didn't play yesterday um, because I think they've got some, some issues 
with, with uh, either players or staff with with positive COVID nineteen tests. There've been some developments in the uh, the Wrexham takeover where uh, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, in that there'll be a vote on two weeks today, actually Sunday the fifteenth of November. Um, they've tabled their proposal to the Wrexham Supporters Trust. Um, and they are now considering that. I think there's just over 2,000 members of the Wrexham Supporters Trust, and I think it requires um, 75% of those voting to vote in favour of the proposal, but it is pretty much as you would expect it. You know, we spoke about this figure of £2 million investment for working capital and or however the club see fit. Um, I think they'll take over a sublease of the ground as well, and there's also some conditions in there just to... to reassure Wrexham supporters that what they don't want to do is come in and change their name to Wrexham Red Dragons or anything like that, you know, that, that it will all still have to go through the Wrexham Supporters Trust if there were to be any um, you know, changes to Club Crest or anything like that. I think they're, they're really obviously keen to to get the Wrexham supporters on board and say, look, we're, we're not after your heritage, we're not you know, too much about Wrexham, but obviously we want to put the investment in that we'll see them do better on the field. Interestingly as well on the Wrexham thing, no press have been invited to that shareholders meeting. It is shareholders only, so there'll be no press people going to sneak onto the Zoom call, but uh, I'll be interested if you're on that Zoom call and Ryan Reynolds popping up on your laptop, but anyway. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Moving on to the National League South now. Over 5 million homes are at risk of flooding. Yet many people don't realise they're in danger. Even if you've never been flooded before, it can happen to you. Protect your family and home. Prepare, act, survive. Prepare a bag including medicines and insurance documents. Act by moving important items upstairs or as high as possible. Survive by listening to emergency services. Search what to do in a flood and sign up to flood warnings on gov.uk. And in the National League South, Steve Kingston is calling this this weekend in the non-league apron. It's his side who are top, and I know, Rob, uh, obviously we're all really impressed with the job Steve King's doing there. Yeah, um, so, so impressed. Uh, I'm no, it's no surprise to look and see them top, but he'll know, and we all know, what a three points that was against uh, Paul Doswell's team yesterday. That's really backed up their top-of-the-table status that they got to in midweek. Um Just a couple of quotes from that uh, Steve King interview in the non-league paper, because I talked about the hangover, the potential hangover from from their playoff final defeat uh, in that pre-season game I attended. And uh, he says, you see it time and time again, teams lose in the playoff final as we did. They often struggle at the start of the next season. Psychologically, it's so deflating. I know how I felt after the Weymouth game for at least a month. I was wrecked. But as manager, you're the leader. The group are looking to you to respond. You have to quickly pick yourself up and get your players back on their games. And then he goes on to say, we had a fantastic pre-season playing six National League sides and didn't lose to any of them. That really helped. I knew the players' mentality was good. And now we've carried that into the new season. Boys, that is a winner, is it not? Someone who's got the cojones to go and take on six teams of a higher level in pre-season. That's someone who believes in himself, believes in his squad, um, and that's backed up by the position in the table. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's what you want, isn't it? You want to you know, be testing yourself against um, against better sides. I mean, most clubs, most managers will set up 
lower division, you know, a couple of steps below, a couple of steps below, and have the last couple of games as you know against someone someone equivalent. But yeah, definitely that shows shows confidence and it shows um, someone ready to tackle a, a season, doesn't it? Interestingly, as well in that column, he said he'd arranged um, friendlies against lower league teams when he didn't have a game or a free midweek just to keep players who haven't been getting the minutes in, involved as well and interested, which means that if they do have to come in, they're just ready to go. And again, that's good management. It's all about the use of the squad this season. You can see that with the way the fixtures are congested. You, you mentioned that in our, in our pre-season chat that we played out on the podcast. Uh, he also pointed out to me in our interview when I said how he'd been so near and so far in the playoffs so many times that he'd actually won it in the past as well. Uh, a winner through and through. Someone who knows what he's doing at this level, Darren. Definitely, no. I've always been a not necessarily a big fan of him on the touchline, but always a big fan of his record as a manager. And um, he made a few changes to the squad over the summer. I'd let some good players go, but he's brought some good ones in. And as you say, that the squad looks very strong. Uh, I had the pleasure of watching him in the season against Chelsea. It's a tight game, but the players all know what they're doing and they play it how he wants them to play. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them at the top of the league come the end of the season. Did they win by any chance, Darren? They did, yeah. It was only 1-0. <laughs> and I'd say they probably haven't... I mean, I think he's been a little bit surprised by how well they've done there's a tough run of games they've had to start the season uh, and yet they're, they're up there I think without a defeat yet is it four wins and a, and a draw I think from their game so I think they haven't really even hit top gear yet so I think there's more to come from them so a bit ominous for the other teams up there challenging but yeah no um, yeah looking very good bet for promotion this season oh, I mean that was a really good win as well for that for two goals from, from Jack Barham and that keeps them top by a point but for haven't as well they've uh, they've maybe not started quite as well as he wanted to, Darren. But I mean, now two games shy of of Dartford, but um, still a bit of um, a tough start for them. One win, one draw, one loss from the three games so far. Yeah, very much a mixed bag for them. Again, they're a team that, with the players they've got and the signs they've made, you'd, you'd expect them to be right up there. Uh, obviously, they're through in the FA Cup, so uh, they've got a good chance getting through against. Uh, Cray, I think it is uh, next week. But yeah, I think listening to him in the post-match game, he's a little bit disappointed about the goals they conceded. Really, I mean, one after half-time, they're going two 0 down. I think obviously Josh Taylor then gets them back into the game, but then Billy Cri- Billy Clifford uh, is sent off shortly after. So it's always going to be tough, and the way Dartford can see out a game. So yeah, they'll be a little bit disappointed. But going away at Dartford is is always going to be a tough game, isn't it? And as you say, it's still early days, only three games for them due to various factors. But um, yeah, I would expect them to come back. But again, last year they weren't always the most Fluid teams that pick up wins, but this year they'll definitely be looking to uh, to go one better and obviously finish in that top place. And a surprise team in second as well, a Hungerford. I mean, what a win for them against Darkin Wanderers. They won 2 0, thanks to two goals from that man, Ryan Seeger, who is now the top scorer in the National League South. And Tom caught up with him to hear all about that and the season so far. I'm joined by Ryan Seeger, uh, who is off the back of a brace against Dorking Wanderers yesterday. Um, Ryan, you've played five. The team scored ten, conceded three, four clean sheets, 12 points, and you're second in the league. I think that surprised a lot of pundits. Are you and the team surprised by your start to season, or is it what you expected? Uh, I wouldn't say it's what we expected, um, but I think we've got a real togetherness in this squad and in this team, and it was never a case of... We never put a target on how many points we wanted after the first five games. We always took it game by game, but we always knew if we dug deep in games and stuff like this that we'd do well. And like I said, it's been a great start. Uh, like I say, four clean sheets in the first five, you can't ask for much more than that, four wins. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and that team spirit that you mentioned there, um, it's quite surprising, really, especially when you think about COVID, people can't get out on the team bonding sessions. A lot of new players came into Hungerford this season, uh, yourself included. How has Danny yeah. Robinson gone about fostering that team spirit? I'd say his man management skills have been brilliant. Um, and all the team, they're all level-headed, all down to earth. We ain't got any big-time players in the team. Um, and like, like I was saying earlier, like everyone works for each other. Um, and obviously everyone else has pretty much got second jobs as well. So it's like a, it's a real togetherness in the team. The fact that obviously people work out during the week, we still train in the evenings. And then come Saturday when the games come, everyone's raring to go. And I think that's been a big, big plus for us this season. And when you talk about those other jobs, there are a few full-time teams in the league. You know, you look at the money Dorking have spent, for example. Is there a bit of a mentality if you want to go out and bloody those teams' noses? Uh, yeah, of course. Like, obviously, we want to obviously win every game that we play, but we know we're seen as sort of the underdogs in this league because we've seen we're the favourites to get relegated, everything like this. But like I said at the start of the season, we've all, we, all knew, we, can, we all know what we're capable of and as long as we stick together, we know we can surprise a few teams this season, which we've done already this season from the yeah. start we've had but like I said we haven't we're not in this league just to stay up we're to compete in this league we're not we just don't want to be above the relegation or in and around like that sort of area the only way we want to look is up so that's what we've done so far and it's been working well Yeah absolutely I mean I think the only loss you've had against Ebsfleet sounds like it could have been a win as well and they're a very strong side but yeah, yeah. 2-0 against Dorking with 10 men you got both of the goals in that one um, but the clean sheets have been a feature of your play is that something that you work on from the front to the back? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're all well-drilled. The training sessions that we have, we do work on the show quite a lot, so we'll know what we're doing. Um, and like I say, we defend as well, like the strikers press, midfield press with us, and then the defenders push up. But like I say, obviously, when it comes down to it and it's in that final third, the opposite teams, like our defence has been brilliant, putting their bodies on the line. And then the keeper, Luke Kearney, he, he's the best keeper in the league for me. He's one of the best I've played with as well. So when you've got him in goal, you've always got a chance. He saves loads of shots, so... He's been quality for us, just like everyone else, really. Yeah, I, I remember seeing Luke playing for Paul Town a few seasons ago and thinking very similar, actually, that he'd, he'd take the step up. Um, yeah. In terms of the goals he scored, then, so that's five for the season so far. You're out on your own at the top of the goal scorers chart. This is your best start to the season. What's been different for you personally at Hungerford to other clubs you've been at? Uh, I think I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm really enjoying it at the minute. I think it's been nice coming to a team. Not that previously managers haven't believed in me, but I proper feel that belief in this manager that I've got now. He's made me feel well, like wanted from the start. Um, and confidence is a big thing in football. When you're confident around your teammates and things like this, you perform well on the pitch. Mm. Um, but like I said, it's not just me. It's the whole team that have been performing well. They give me the ball sometimes to score the goals. So that always helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and long may it continue. It's fantastic to see, as you say, yeah. one of the underdogs really punching above their weight and sitting second in the league. Yeah, that's it. And like I say, like we all we know teams in this league will see us. Well, some of them will think, "Ah, oh, we got hung for this weekend. We should win this one." But there's no reason why they should win that one. Like we're not we're not going to roll over. Like I said, we're not looking at relegation at all this season. We're we're we know what we're capable of, but we're quite happy to go under the radar. Let teams underestimate us and then see what happens. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for giving uh, giving us some of your Sunday. Uh, and enjoy the no rest worries. of the weekend. And that was Ryan Seagrin. He's pretty bullish about where Hungerford will be this season, isn't he? Definitely, but they're backing it up at the moment. I mean, surprise package, really. I know Tom used to pick them to, to finish towards the bottom every season, gets a bit of stick online for that. But obviously, new manager coming in there, Danny Robinson, obviously taking over from podcast uh, guest 
uh, host there, Ian Herring. But yeah, no, it's very surprising. But you know, when his confidence is high, he can you know obviously good things happen. And a bit surprised yesterday, even though they've been up there to beat Dorkin, who obviously won every game before that. Very much surprised. And I think Mark White was very uh, disappointed after. It's probably an um, understatement, really. I think called their performance pathetic. So um, yeah, be expecting a lot more when they go to Dartford next week. He's not one to um, show his emotional side, Mark White, is he? So he must have been really upset with that. Yeah, let's to keep his calm. But um, yeah, no, big surprise there because I'd say they've, they've started strongly and it's not, they're not the sort of team that sort of throws in games or anything, you know what I mean? They're usually a the team that's always in the game and, and pushing you hard. So I think he'd be very disappointed. But he did mention the pitch and we know the pitch down there at Hungerford isn't the best. And I suppose with Dorking used to playing on, on the 3G pitches, maybe it's a bit of a shock. But still, yeah, I think he would have expected more from his side there. Yeah, Maidstone, we um, we spoke about how they really underwhelmed last year and started off they started off well this season. They, they missed two penalties, as we mentioned, against Chelmsford game. They probably should have won. They, uh, they had a massive win on Saturday, 6-0 at home to FA Trophy finalist Concord Rangers. And, and Hacken Harrison will be delighted with that, won't he? Yeah, he wasn't very happy after the game with Chelsea last week, understandably. Not a lot of missed penalties, but they were, it was very tough conditions last week, so it wasn't a, a fair barometer. But yeah, yesterday was a bit more like it, and the sort of result I expected to see a bit more from this year. As you say, they, they underwhelmed last year, and the attacking players they got and the squad they've got, they should definitely be right up there in the in the top five or six. So yeah, it was a bit more like it. Justin, I'm a loser. Scored a couple yesterday as a player I like a lot. He, he came on a sub last week, but um, very dangerous on the flanks there. So I think once they get up and running, um, as you say, full-time, I think they are in, in a good squad there, so they, they would expect to be up there. Uh, and now sitting in third, I think they are, so they'll look to kick on from there. Yeah, definitely wasn't a loser yesterday. Um, but Scott Rendell is there as well, and that's a really good signing from a bit of experience up front. Definitely, yeah. He's obviously been around the block. He knows uh, knows the league, been top scorer, I think, this in, in the league above before. So, um, yeah, he's a good signing for him. He's one of the, the ones that got the bug for missing penalties last week. But um, good to see him get on the score sheet. And, yeah, it's good to have that, that focal point up there who can play off and the players like Amaloza and others can, can get around him and get goals themselves. That's that Albans, Darren. They, uh, they surprisingly lost on BT Sport on Monday evening against Bishop Starford in the FA Cup, deservedly as well. But they had a good bounce-back win, 3-0 over Chippenham. We'd start the season well, but uh, a good win there for Ian Allenson's side. Yeah, very much a great bounce-back win. I mean, Bishop Starford were a good side, but obviously they'd have been expected to go through there. But looks like a comfortable win there. But Ian Allenson said afterwards, obviously it's a bit more tougher than that, that scoreline looked really. And it could have been a very different game if... Um, Joe Hanks has scored his penalty for Chippenham after just five minutes. But um, they look like they've got goals in them this season. Obviously, big big change around from being down the bottom last year and they'll be much much more happy to be up there at the top. And as I say, when you've got goals on your side, I think uh, you've always got a chance. Um, yeah, they've got a player you know well as well, Sean Jeffers. He got nine out of ten in the non-league paper on Saturday. He added the third goal and that's a really good signing for them as well, especially after losing Joe Iacofino. Yeah, no, he's, um, he'll always get goals, goals Sean. I mean, Sometimes comes in and out of games a little bit, but he's always there, especially at the end of games. He's, he's got a good record for us scoring a lot of late goals. So if we can pop up and nick you a point or a win uh, in those games, that'll be uh, vital for them. First defeat in the season as well for Oxford City, rather surprisingly at home to Hampton and Richmond Borough uh, by two goals to nil. Tom will be happy with that one, but uh, still a decent start for Oxford. And you, you caught up with David Oldfield a couple of weeks ago when he was very kind of calm and well, ambitious as well. So that would have disappointed him that defeat on Saturday definitely nice no, but a brilliant start for them and as you say uh, very impressed uh, when speaking to, to David Oldfield and you can see with the team again uh, playing for him um, it, 
pressing high, very energetic side, and, and, and they'll be a good good side this season. I would expect them again to be definitely up there challenging the playoffs. Obviously, they're, they're now looking ahead uh, to their big uh, FA Cup game. Northampton Town, I think, on, on TV again, that one. So, yeah, they had a good run a couple of years ago, I think, with Shimanga scoring goals, I think, up at Tranmere. So they'll be looking to repeat that and obviously roll that form over onto the league as well. Now, Tom came out with a good stat during the week. And I think only two teams hadn't scored across all six steps up until now. One was Hampton and Richmond Borough. They broke their duck um, on mid on midweek. They managed to do it even in a, in a losing cause. And Braintree were the other one. And they finally got off the mark on Saturday. They scored three goals. However, Hemel Hempstead scored four. And that's a big win for Hemel. We've mentioned about the inexperienced squad that they've got this year. But that's moved them well clear. Well, three points clear on the relegation zone and up to 17th now. Yeah, saying it's given that game, I think both teams without a point going into the game and both shipping goals, so probably not a surprise really to see uh, six goals going in the first half there. But uh, obviously Braintree scoring their, their first couple go 2-1 up before, I think it was three goals in four minutes just before half-time, obviously put Hemel 4-2 up. Um, had a man, Chris Paul, sent off midway through the half and then obviously Braintree pulled one back, but, but they did well to hold on for the win there and huge big big win there first one for Lee Bircham and his young side so they'll be hoping that'll be a springboard for, for their season but looking like it's going to be a very tough one again for, for George Borg and Braintree unfortunately or fortunately as a Chelsea fan <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean it was a crazy first half there at Crescent Road as you say 4-2 four, four there six goals shame there was no fans in to see that entertainment but finally before we kind of wrap it all up um Villa Ricky, another defeat for them. Four defeats out of four. Jamie O'Hara held his hands up. I saw it in his post match interview saying he'd, he'd set it up all wrong and he took responsibility for it. But on the on Twitter, it's fair to say the Villa, Villa Ricky fans aren't amused. No, it's obviously you take different seasons in isolation. But if you look back, I think it's three wins in the last twenty six games. I think and I think maybe one away in, in a long time. So. If that goes on much longer, they've got a big game away at Hemel on Tuesday. So I think if they don't get a result there, I think the pressure will start really ramping up on on O'Hara. And obviously, I think good player and, and obviously done well when he went in there. But obviously, I think some fans are questioning his tactical ability now with, with some of these games. I mean, usually it's a case they're getting ahead and then throwing it away after maybe not being able to react to, to the opposition changes. But it's slightly different in this case. I think they started slowly and came back. But yeah, it's obviously they've not got the, the money and the and the pressure that they had under some of the Glen Tamplin days but still they, a lot of people were tipping them to be, uh, be up there so yeah they need to start start picking up points soon or it could be uh, could be tough for Jamie Yeah and that defeat was to Ebbsfleet and they are in fifth position just above Eastbourne on all difference and Eastbourne have been a surprise package so far Darren haven't they it's, uh, everyone expects them to be down there Chris Weltdale has been, been going mad goals wise he didn't get on the score sheet on Saturday, but uh, are Eastbourne a surprise for you out of that top seven, well, along with Hungerford? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they always play decent football and, and they usually do okay, but yeah, to see him right up there was, was a bit bit of a surprise. Obviously, I know Welkdale well from Chelmsford is, is a quality player, so it's not a surprise that he's done well there, but um, yeah, Danny Bloor there doing a good job and uh, yeah, whether they can keep that up, we'll, we'll wait and see because I can't imagine they've got the biggest squad there, and, but they've got some good players, um, so for them obviously they'll be hoping to uh, to keep up there and maybe not change for the playoffs but at least be in the top half and another team with a big FA Cup game next week uh, against Blackpool so that'll be a big test for them yeah, absolutely looking to reach the second round for the, the first time ever 
Uh, Slough beat Bath by two goals to one. So Slough in ninth. Bath surprisingly down in 15th. Only one win out of their four games so far. And then the only nil-nil of the day, Darren, was at Dulwich, uh, with Dulwich against Chelmsford. Was it was it as boring as it sounds? Yeah, not not a great game at all. That <laughs> uh, yeah, like a, luckily they're they're not charging for their stream, so at least they didn't have to pay for it. But um, yeah, Dulwich had the better of it. Really, they didn't create loads, but they probably had the best chances. And uh, luckily, uh, Lee Wargan was uh, in fine form again in, in the Chelmsford goal. So. Uh, despite a poor performance obviously we get away with a point and I think the difference this year is that we're not conceding many so if you can do that you can obviously hang around in games sometimes that you don't deserve to get results in so that's a, a small positive but yeah need to need to improve definitely going forward Yeah, Chelmsford in 10th so a bit of a solid start it's fair to say isn't it 6 points from 5 games Yeah and it's progress really obviously new manager built in the squad bit of a cut back to the budget and things but yeah so it's it's not quite there but as you say building from the back hopefully at least and then hopefully we'll get a bit more fluid, fluidity going forward and uh, start scoring some more goals because they've been a bit more tough to come by but um but yeah now I think we're looking at probably mid tables as I said to you previously this season so if we keep going along there get some progress I think most fans will be uh, relatively happy let's move on now to the National League North and in the National League North, Dickie, it's, it's Gloucester and Fylde at the top. It was the return of the extra Chester as Quasi Asante scored the winner for the home side. It's four wins out of four. As it is for Fylde, it was solid at the minute. A 2-0 win over Farsley. Yeah, and I suppose you could have written the script um, ahead of um, Gloucester's win over 2-1 win over Chester yesterday. You know, if anybody was going to um, uh, attract the attention, it was going to be a Quasi Asante is... Um, Signing was, you know, a real statement of intent from for Gloucester, and 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 yesterday, I guess, showed exactly why they why they bought him. Gloucester took a lead. Liam Daly, big far post header, the kind of thing we've seen him do over the years for Solly Hull Moors. Um, but then Anthony Dudley must have thought he'd got a point for Chester when he equalised with five minutes left. But then, yeah, man, he was partnered with up front for, for parts of last season. Asante pops up two minutes later to get the winner. That's four out of four for Gloucester now. They're, they're top and they're looking really strong. As regards Foyle, yeah, that, that was their fourth win in, in four as well. I think the goals yesterday came from Nathan Shaw and Ben Tollett. Um, and yeah, they, they don't show any signs of slowing down and they've added to their already considerable forward options. Just before the season started, they signed Jordan Hume from Altrincham, something we've discussed on here quite regularly. Um, and they added Jack Sampson from uh, Southport in midweek. I think Southport were um, clearly disappointed um, to see him go, but he was been offered the chance of full time football at Fylde, so they didn't feel they could stand in his way. So you know they've they've taken a um, you know quite a notable figure away from I wouldn't necessarily say a rival. I think the Southport is certainly in a playoff position at the moment, but they've strengthened. They've got plenty of forward options now at Fylde. You know, and almost an embarrassment of riches for this level. And and yeah, those two teams are really making a statement very early about where they want to be next season. Yeah, Southport are in a playoff position in sixth days off the first defeat of the season on Saturday to Boston, who are on the coattails of Farsley and Gloucester. It was thanks to Jordan Thewlis that that, uh, that, that that game was decided in the end. Yeah, I think a goal only about 15 minutes into the game and then, then Boston managed to see it through to, to secure the three points and, you know, that will please um, their gaffer Craig Elliott, I'm sure they, they came back from um, a couple of weeks of inactivity with the win over my own side, Telford, last weekend, and they've carried that on with another win. Yeah, they've got 10 points from from four matches, so they've only dropped a, a couple of points. And, 
yeah, at Boston, exactly where we expected them to be, although it is exceptionally early days. Yeah, and Ch- Kidderminster leapfrog Chester. That was with a, a comfortable 2-0 win over Blythe. But as I mentioned last week, Russ Penn's doing a, a good, solid job there. The, now he's in his first full season as a permanent manager. Yeah, he is. He's, he's had his chance to actually, you know, stamp his own kind of identity onto the, the kind of side he wants Kidderminster Harriers to be. And it, it notable, I saw a statistic which noted it's Kidderminster's third league win on the bounce. And that's the first time they've achieved three league wins in a row for over two seasons now, I think. Goals from Ashley Hemmings and, and Max Taylor. Max Taylor, I didn't realise he's actually on loan from Manchester United. And I think that's you know, we, there's been a lot of talk about Reese Williams, a player that spent time on loan at Kidderminster last season from Liverpool, and the fact that he's now been playing Champions League football yeah. for Liverpool. I mean, that's a, you know, it does the fact that a player such as him can can go to Kidderminster and that can aid as part, you know, his development will encourage clubs from further up the ladder to see Kidderminster as a place that they'd be willing to loan their players to. And, you know, Manchester United have let them have Max Taylor. He scored the second goal yesterday. And um, yeah, I would think for probably the first time in a while, there's there's a reasonable degree of optimism around um, Agborough. Well, I know Shane Wilkinson, he contributes every so often and I know he tags us in on Twitter into his reports. He's kind of, he's uh, he's got a bit of a spring in his step at the minute and quite rightly so in, in Kidderminster. I mean, I think this is the first year we've maybe not tipped into getting the playoffs ticket. We have done over the last three seasons, but could we be proved wrong this year? We could quite possibly. And, you know, that might actually uh, be to their advantage. You know, we've spoken before about the level of expectation at Kidderminster that it's not that long ago that they were actually a football league side. And they, if they weren't a football league side, they certainly would have considered themselves a side that should be in the top division of non-league football. And they've they've dropped into National League North and, and they're not happy with being there. You know, the supporters aren't happy with being there and that places expectations upon the players. But I don't think the people involved off the field at Kidderminster Harriers you know the directors the manager they're not happy with him being where they are either and you know you shouldn't be everybody should be aspirational and want to do better but the fact that they they probably are will fly a little bit under the radar this season might actually help them you know that that expectation being removed somewhat we should mention Blythe Spartans as well yesterday of course because they were the team that Kidderminster took the three points off still just the one point um, in the league for Blythe this season and, and another defeat. And yeah, you know, we, we said at the start of the season that, you know, we predicted that it was going to be a difficult season for, for Blythe. And um, you get the sense that, you know, they're going to have to get a win on the board soon just to sort of like give them that confidence that they can compete because they are a very young side. And I think the longer that a run like this goes on for them, then the, the harder it will be to dig themselves out of trouble. Yeah, 16 goals conceded already for them in five games here. They are second, but on Leamington have blown, but Leamington have only played two games so far for various reasons. Uh, the final playoff spot is taken by your your own side, Dickie ASC Telford, the remain seventh despite a first home defeat of the season to Alfredson. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I think Telford, once again, I, I don't think it was any... Um, 
I don't think it had any bearing on the result yesterday, but Altringham or another side, uh, not Altringham, Alfreton or another side who'd been missing from action for a couple of weeks because of um, issues with COVID-19. But, you know, they dropped right back into their groove yesterday doing exactly the kind of thing that a Billy Heath team, you expect them to do. They were big. They were difficult to play against. They, they uh, Gavin Cowan said that he, he felt that his own players got suckered into playing the way that, that, Alfredton wanted to play the game in the first half. Um, it was nil-nil at half-time, but yeah, then a Danny Clark goal in the second half put Alfredton ahead with about 20 minutes left. And, and although Telford tried what they could, they, they couldn't find an equaliser. Yeah, also, uh, Charlie Gainer, first part of the season, nil-nil with Bradford Park. And you were back in action after a little layoff themselves. And Darlington also claimed a first win of the season, didn't they pick you with a 3-0 win at Curzon? Surprisingly, it's only their first win of the season. I know they've only played three games, but they've, uh, they've lost the first two, haven't they, up until then? Yeah, it, and it's important to get that first win on the board, isn't it? Um, I, I, if you'd asked me whether I would see it coming for them yesterday at Curzon National, I thought possibly not, that maybe you know a draw would have been you know the, the most light result there, but, but it sounds like it was something of a cruise for Darlington in the end. And they've got an FA Cup tie away at, at Swindon Town next week that, that it helped warm them up for, whether that had some um, players want to be involved in that kind of game, even though it's not going to be played in front of supporters you know it's still the kind of game that that players want to be involved in and yeah goals from Adam Campbell who again we've spoken about on this podcast Sean Reid adding the second and then Jarrett Rivers wrapping it up with the third about 15 minutes from time Brill well guys that is it thank you very much for joining us Chris Icky Darren you're very welcome Luke thanks for joining us Rob Pleasure as always. Have a good week, boys. That is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time and subscribe to us as well on iTunes and Spotify. Until then, we'll see you all very soon and look after yourselves. <laughs>